Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the seven baskets full, took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were four thousand men, besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadon. And the, and the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test him. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them. When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about the bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So before Tiffany and I planted our first church, um, there was a guy named John Wooster who was giving us some good coaching. And John Wooster had planted churches all over the world. He planted several places in the United States and a few other countries. And John was just the, the church planting ninja. And I remember there was a, a lunch that we had with John where I asked him, I said, John, what is, if you could just give one piece of advice, if you could just narrow it down to, to one very important piece of advice to us uh, as we go out to plant a church, what would you say? And his answer surprised me and stuck with me. And his answer was, I would say, above all else, guard your faith. Above all else, guard your faith. And he, he, he told us that apart from faith, it would be impossible to plant a church. And he told us that if the enemy was going to attack in one place and start in one place, it would be at the level of our faith. 
that he would cause discouragement. And he went on to explain that Tiffany and I should watch each other's backs. That if one of us were to say, I'm feeling discouraged, that the other should immediately jump into action to encourage the other, to speak the truth, to pray for the other. And that stuck with me all these years. The reason that he said that, and the reason that he was right, is that faith is everything in the Christian life. Faith is the only way that we can please God. And this passage that we're going to be studying today is all about faith. It's about being aware of the things that weaken our faith. It says in Hebrews 11.6 that apart from faith, it is impossible to please him. It says in Romans 14 that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Later on in Matthew, Jesus is going to say, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Faith is the only way that we can relate to God. It's the only way that we can please God. And I find that one of the most challenging things in this Christian life is maintaining great faith. It's fighting this fight of faith. And that one of the reasons why this is so challenging is that we are not often aware of when our faith is being attacked or when our faith is weakening. And we're not aware oftentimes of the things that make our faith weaker. And so that's what this passage is about. That's what this sermon is about today, is helping us. Because Jesus says in this passage, maybe you caught it to to his disciples, watch and beware. Watch and beware. And so my hope is, when we leave here today, my prayer is that we would be able to beware, to be aware of everything that weakens our faith. So pray with me and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, I believe you want us to have great faith. I believe that you want this church, that you want each individual in this room that is called by your name to live lives that are living epistles, living letters that can only be explained by a real relationship with a real God. And I believe that that is only possible if we live by faith. I believe, Father, that you want to do miracles in our lives, among us, around us, I believe you have desires for us, God, that we have not even begun to tap into. I believe there is so much more than what we are experiencing in our walk with you. And I pray that you would help us to see it, that you would open up our eyes to see, that you would open up our ears to hear, that you would show us the ways that the enemy is undermining our faith, God, that you would make us vigilant, watching, and aware of all that weakens our faith so that we can go from glory to glory as we behold Christ, 
so that we don't go from glory to setback and glory to setback, but glory to glory. So God, strengthen us today. Strengthen our faith. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Come and move among us powerfully, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I have three points today for those of you who are note takers. Um, The first is that we need to become aware of sleepiness. We need to become aware of sleepiness. Let's look at the first section here, verses 1 through 4 in chapter 16. It says, And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You, do not, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is clearly the Messiah. And John the Baptist has come, who was, a, was prophesied. He's the only prophet that was prophesied about. And John the Baptist comes, and the forerunner of Christ, he preaches, and, and tons and tons of people are turned to God in repentance and are baptized. And John the Baptist declares that Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And so they miss this sign. And Jesus is going around and he's performing incredible miracles and his teaching has this authority that no one's heard before. And the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they miss the sign. They do not see what's clear. How is it? And I I think the best way to describe it is that they're asleep. They were asleep. And it's impossible to have faith when you're asleep. It's impossible to believe when you cannot see. They missed all of the signs that were clearly in front of them. How did this happen? What is it that puts us to sleep? What is it that put the Pharisees and the Sadducees to sleep? And I think there are a few things that put us to sleep. Sin puts us to sleep. When we put up with sin in our lives, when we allow it, when we, when we don't fight it, when we don't confess it, when we don't repent of it, sin dulls our hearts. It hardens our hearts. It causes a crust to form over our hearts so that nothing can penetrate. So sin lulls us to sleep. I think that distractions lull us to sleep. And I think the Pharisees were very distracted by the rules that they were trying to keep, rules and rules and rules, and they missed a relationship with God. I think they were distracted by all of their desire to please man. I think that they were distracted and that lulled them to sleep. I think that hypocrisy lulled them to sleep. They were so concerned with uh, keeping up with appearances, with pleasing man and not God, that that lulled them to sleep. And these same things lull the church to sleep today. They lull us to sleep, me to sleep. I notice that when I stop fighting sin with vigilance, I notice that when I stop confessing it and bringing it into the light immediately, hating it, my conscience hardens, my heart 
hardens and it lulls me to sleep. I notice that when I start becoming overly concerned with what people think about me and not with the God who made me, that I get lulled to sleep. I notice that when I become double-minded and a hypocrite and living one way in public and another way in private, that I become lulled to sleep. And you cannot be asleep and have great faith. It's impossible. I'm reading this book series, a trilogy called Shiloh, uh, with my boys right now. And in this series by Helena Sorensen, Sorensen creates this world called Shiloh that is enveloped by a shadow. And all of the people of Shiloh are um, unaware of the fact they've never seen the sun and they don't know that the sun exists and they don't believe that anything exists outside of the shadow realm. And the shadow, the, the Lord of shadow, wants it that way and works hard to keep it that way. The river that runs through the land of Shiloh is called the river Meander, to meander. It means just to, to wander aimlessly. The river Meander is what most of the people of Shiloh drink from, and as they drink from the river Meander, they forget who they are, and they forget what's happened in their past, and they forget what's true. And the goal of the Lord of Shadow is that he would lull people to sleep, that he would keep them from wanting anything more, from, from believing that there could be anything beyond the land of shadow. His goal is to keep them from singing, keep them from dancing, keep them from gathering, and so they isolate themselves. And they become lulled more and more to sleep. And I have been so impacted by the story of Shiloh by this quiet resignation that falls upon the people of Shiloh, that this is all that there is. And I look around me and I feel like sometimes we're living in the land of shadow. And like if we could only see who we really are, who Christians really are, who've been united to the Son of God and His Spirit has been placed within us, but we see ourselves through the shadow. We see our world around us through the shadow. We see our circumstances through the shadow. And here's the interesting thing about this story, Shiloh. The only weapon that the Lord of shadow has against the people of Shiloh is deception and lies. And then the fear that that causes. And it's exactly true of our reality as well, that Satan only has deception and smoke and mirrors and lies and the fear that it causes, and that if we could only see, if we could only wake up to what's real, what are the symptoms of being lulled to sleep? Well, we become numb to what really matters. We stop laughing. We stop laughing hard. We stop crying. We don't feel any strong emotions in one way or another. We stop seeing. I mean seeing with wonder, with awe. Do you remember how you used to see a bullfrog when you were a kid? Do you remember the way that you used to stoop down and look close at a flower? 
when you were awake before the shadow lulled you to sleep? How do we wake up? Ephesians 5, 14 says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And then, a few verses later, we get a description of what it might look like if we wake up. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What if that is what our lives looked like? What if we were so filled with the Spirit that we sung to each other? Imagine if we gave thanks in every single circumstance. This is what it looks like to be awake. This is what it looks like. So we have to beware of sleepiness. We have to step out from under the shadow and into the light of Christ and let him shine on us. We need to open wide our eyes and behold the sun in all his glory and let him awaken fresh affections in us and fresh emotions in us so that we can cry again and we can laugh again and we can feel again and we can dance again. Thank you, somebody's awake back there. We got to wake up and become aware when we're falling asleep, when we're being lulled asleep, when we're drinking from the river meander, the same river that the world drinks from, of all the stuff that the world's feeding us that's causing us to forget who we are and whose we are. Point number two. We got to become aware of thinking like mere humans. Look at verses 5 through 10 with me. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? (laughs) Do you not remember? Do you not perceive? So we've got to become aware of thinking like mere humans. I say that because in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul rebukes the church in Corinth for behaving like mere humans. And I love that. Why does he say that? Why does he say you are behaving like mere humans? Because they're fighting with each other. They're divided. They're not thinking about what's real and what's true and who they are in Christ. 
what Christ has done for them. And so they're acting like mere humans. And I see that is exactly what the disciples are doing here. Jesus tells them to watch and beware, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which we'll get to that in the next point. But, but he's warning them, watch out. He's saying, I see something happening in you before you see it. You're not aware of the fact that I, I see your faith weakening right now. But you don't see it yet. So I'm trying to wake you up and, and tell you to watch out. There's still something you can do, but they, they miss it. They hear leaven and they think bread. Their minds are earthbound. They cannot think about the thoughts of Jesus. They can only see through an earthbound perspective. And so they think bread, bread. We forgot the bread. Jesus is mad at us because we forgot the bread. And they're worried that they don't have bread and they're in the boat with Jesus. And so what do they do? They discuss it among themselves. Now that, to me, is perhaps the biggest folly here, the, the greatest misstep of the disciples in this story. They discuss it among themselves. Jesus is sitting on the other side of the boat. The one that is always there to provide for them, the one who has all the answers, and they're, the, the old King James says, reasoning among themselves. They're trying to solve the problem with some logic. And so they're earthbound in their thinking. They're thinking like mere humans. And it's impossible to have faith when you're thinking like that. Jesus is trying to teach them how to, how to think, how to observe their situation. He wants them to go beyond just seeing the initial observation. So in the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, he tries to show them this. He says, you feed them. Remember that? And they say, with what? And he says, well, what do you have? He's trying to show them that the Father has gone before them and always provides what they need if they have the eyes of faith to see it. If they'll take what they've got, the little bit that they've got, and give it to Jesus and put it into his hands and suddenly it becomes enough. He's trying to get them to see that. And they miss it. And so he sees another opportunity. He sets them up. We read the story just now. Another crowd, this time 4,000. He says, I have compassion on them. He's, he's, he's trying to set them up. I have compassion on the crowds. What should we do? He wants to teach them again. He wants to teach them to see their situation, their challenge through the lens of faith. They miss it again. Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? <laughs> they miss it. And here they are again, just a little while later. Once again, they're worried about where they're going to get what they need. You see, every time that Jesus does a miracle, he is trying to show them a new way of thinking, a heavenly way of perceiving their situation. And every single time God has done a miracle in your life, he is doing the same. 
Do you know that he wants to change the way that you perceive the next challenge based upon the way that he worked in the last one? Do you see that the disciples are not connecting the dots that the thing that Jesus has done before, he's willing to do again in my current situation? And that Jesus is saying, do you not remember? He's saying, do you think I won't do it again? And am I the only one that's guilty of forgetting the things that he's done in my past and believing that he would do it again? I'm not because I'm not the only one living under the shadow, drinking from the river meander. If I know one thing about life in this world, it's that our memories (laughs) go away like mist. We have to fight to keep them. We have to fight while we're under the shadow. When we get to heaven, it won't be hard. We'll remember everything. But while we're here, we have to fight. We've got to remember what God has done in our lives yesterday and last week and a month ago and a year ago and 10 years ago. We've got to remember so that we can see our current challenge through the lens of what he has done already. And if you're a brand new believer, he's already done the greatest miracle you'll ever experience. He's given you new life. He's forgiven you of your sins. If you're a brand new believer, you already have a miracle through which you need to perceive every other day of your life that Jesus loves you. He's made you his own. He's cleansed you. He's united you to himself. Are you hearing this? Are we awake? Are we, do we want greater faith? I hope you do. I know I do. I want to live. I want to live with my mind in heaven, (laughs) seeing not the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, which are eternal. The Bible says we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. And that's what I'm talking about here. That's this is what it is to have your life be a living epistle. To have your life be a living letter that when other people look at your life, they say there is no way that that life could have happened apart from God. They've got stories that just don't make sense apart from God. And that's not possible if we're not living by faith, if we're not remembering who's in the boat with us, if we're not trying to see things from the perspective of faith. Philippians 4.19 says this, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Did you know the Bible said that? I didn't make that up. You can look that up. Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours. Not some of them, not most of them, every need of yours. What it means is that if he doesn't supply, you didn't need it. And if you need it, he's going to supply it. So if, if no bread appears in the boat, they didn't need it. And if they need it, it's coming. And the same is true for you in your situation right now and every single situation you'll face. 
He will supply. This is a promise. You can stand upon it. It is a rock. It is unchanging. He will supply every need of yours according to what? According to what you think you need? No, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply to you everything you need. And guess what? Every time he does it, there's some left over. There's basketfuls left over. You'll be satisfied, and so will the crowds. But we've got to stop reasoning among ourselves. When we see a situation, we need to, instead of talking with all of our friends first about what we need to do and how we need to do it, instead of thinking about it just in our own head for days and days and days, what do we need to do? We need to talk to the one that's in the boat with us. We need to turn to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, guess what? We forgot bread. So what should we do? Because I believe the promise that says you will provide every need, every single need. So what what do we do here? Are you going to work a miracle or do I not need it? Seems like those are my options. All right, so then what what does he say in verse 9? He says, do you not yet perceive, do you not remember? So, in other words, remembering is necessary for right perception. You cannot have right perception unless you remember. So when you look at the next situation that you face, the next challenge that you face... In order to face it rightly, in order to see it rightly, you need to see it through all of the things that he's done for you in the past. You need to see it through the lens of Scripture. You need to see it through the lens of the cross in order to see it the way that he wants you to see it. We need to stop thinking like mere humans. You know, before I got up here to preach... I was asking the Lord. I was nervous. And I was asking the Lord to help me out and to give me heaven's perspective. And you know what I saw immediately in my mind's eye? I saw robes that I didn't put on myself. I saw robes covering me, robes of righteousness the righteousness of Christ. And I remembered that I've been bought, that I've been cleansed, that I've been given robes to wear, and that from heaven's perspective, those things are already on me, covering me. And it helped me so much, it lifted up my faith. And if you're a believer here today, if you're a Christian here today, you're wearing those robes of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. It's covering you. Third, third point. Did I say I had three points? I have four points. Third point. We've got to become aware of other voices. We've got to become aware of other voices. Now, this is where the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees comes in. What's interesting about this story to me is 
that the disciples have just experienced a second incredible miracle in the feeding of this multitude that Jesus has essentially repeated. And they would have, they would have come away from that on this spiritual high with their faith soaring. And then, and then we have this scene with the Pharisees and the Sadducees at the beginning of 16, and then scene switches again, and then all of a sudden their faith is like so weak. And so the question is, what happened in between there? And I think there's more going on than just growling stomachs. I think there's more going on than them just, you know, reasoning among themselves and missing it. I think what Jesus saw happening, what he's warning them about, is that they were influenced by their time around the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Notice it says in verse 6, Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he sees something, right, that he's warning them about. And they miss it. They think he's warning them about, he's, he's talking about actual bread. And at the end it says, verse 11 and 12, How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So now do you see it? They've just spent this time around the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming with all this unbelief. They're demanding that Jesus show a sign. This is the man who has been walking around healing entire towns and villages. The man who just fed the second crowd of thousands upon thousands with just a few loaves of bread and fish. And they're asking him to show a sign to prove that he is who he says he is. So the disciples have been around them. We don't know how long this interaction was. We get a little bit of a glimpse of it. But Jesus is warning his disciples to watch out for the leaven from those guys. And then we see this lack of faith, this incredible lack of faith. And here's what I take away from, from that. It's that their time around the Pharisees and the Sadducees rubbed off on them. And they weren't even aware of it. And so they went from faith soaring to almost no faith to see at all. And this has happened to you, hasn't it? It's happened to me. You've, you've experienced God speaking so clearly, maybe in a church service, maybe through a sermon, or maybe through your quiet time or time of prayer. You've had some kind of interaction with God where your faith was soaring. And then you, you know, watch something on Netflix that night. You didn't notice anything, but the next morning you woke up and you were so discouraged. You had no idea where it came from. Or you read a book that night. Or you went and hung out with some friends that night. You watched a movie. Or you scrolled on Facebook or Instagram for an hour. You had no idea because it's not like you believe what those people believe. It's not like you agreed with the movie that you watch. It was just entertainment. 
It's not like you adhere to the beliefs in that book that you were reading. It's just fun. But see, that's the thing, is the disciples also didn't believe and agree with the Pharisees and Sadducees. So why is Jesus telling them to, be, to beware and watch out for their teaching? They don't believe it. And yet it seems to have rubbed off on them. It seems to have gotten in them somehow. And that's the way that leaven works. You see, leaven, leaven is sneaky. It's hidden. You hide leaven away in a batch of dough, right? You hide it away. And, and, and so they, they missed it because it was hidden. They didn't, they didn't feel initially discouraged when they walked away from the Pharisees and Sadducees. They probably walked away thinking, yeah, Jesus got them again. Heading to another mission, getting in the boat, all right. They're forgetting their bread, you know. Not even worried about packing. Why, why is that? Why is it that they didn't initially pick up on it? Jesus did, they didn't. Because leaven is hidden. And secondly, because leaven is delayed. Leaven is delayed. It's not, it doesn't have an immediate effect. And I've noticed this. I've noticed that I don't often connect the dots between my discouragement and the thing that caused it because there's a delay there. So for me, because I'm weak, I can't read a whole lot of news. If I read much news, it just weakens my faith. I got to check it a little bit. I can only take it in small doses. I gotta, if, I, if I read too much news, I don't immediately walk away feeling discouraged, but the next day, it's like something got inside me, and I wake up all of a sudden afraid of everything. Where did that spirit of fear come from? The leaven of the news. The leaven of the world. And I, and I don't always connect the dots because leaven is delayed. It's slow. So leaven is hidden, leaven is delayed, and then finally, leaven is far-reaching. Leaven's far-reaching. Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You put a little bit of leaven in a batch of dough, and then what happens? Somehow it spreads. The next thing you know, that whole lump of dough is leavened. And so we miss, we miss it initially. It's slow. All of a sudden, it starts to affect us, and if we're not careful, it will spread through our whole lives and our hearts, and we will be so faithless because we weren't watching. We weren't aware of all that weakened our faith. So here's the question for you. Are you aware of what that book is doing to your faith? Or are you aware of what that show you're watching is doing to your faith or the movies that you're watching? You don't have to agree with them. And it can still get in you. Are you aware of how social media... By the way, I had to get off of it altogether. I have an account, so if you've ever messaged me, I didn't see it. 
I have an account, but I'm not on there because I can't handle it. Some of you maybe are mature enough to handle it. I can't. I'm weak. Are, are you aware of how the news is leavening your faith? Are you aware of how that group of friends is leavening your faith, undermining it, weakening it? That hobby. Are you aware of what content is going in your head, the radio stations that you listen to, the music that you listen to? Anything and everything, you have to watch. Watch means to see it from afar. Some of these things you can't, you can't get out of your life. Some of them you can cut out of your life. It's completely up to you. Other things are happening at work that you can't avoid. But are you watching? Are you on guard from it? Are you, are you aware? Oh, oh, there's another conversation that's happening at work that I need to have. My, my faith needs to be on guard. I don't want this leaven in to corrupt my faith, to sour my faith. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then what will happen? It says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You have a lack of peace? Well, then it has to do with what you're thinking about. It has to do with what's going in to your mind. You know, emotions don't come out of nowhere. They always come from thoughts. They always come from thoughts. Every thought you think must bring forth. It always produces something, an emotion, an action, another thought. Are you taking every single thought captive and making it obedient to Christ? Are you asking if with every thought, does this build my faith or weaken it? Does this help me to see the world with more faith and more courage? Or does it make me more afraid? Beware of all that weakens your faith. And then finally, my my last point here, fight back with kingdom leaven. Fight back with some kingdom leaven. Jesus didn't leave us on the defensive here. He gave us the defensive, but he also said, I'm going to give you some offense to play. Here's what he says in Matthew 13. Read this with me. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. Do you know what that means? That means that the same thing that the enemy's trying to do to you with worldly leaven, we can do with kingdom leaven. You plant the kingdom leaven in your heart and mind, and the next morning you're going to wake up going, wow, I'm a child of the king. God, what do you have for me today? Where can I glorify you? Where do you want to use me, God? Who do you want me to talk to, God? Where do you want to do the impossible? What are the things you want me to pray for? And you think, where did that come from? The leaven that was hidden the night before, the day before. Because it's delayed and it's far-reaching. The good news of the kingdom works just like the leaven of the world. So when we meditate on the gospel, 
it builds our faith. It strengthens our faith. When we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross, when we, when we think about what he did to pay for our sins, to forgive us, to give us new life, to unite us to himself, when we think about the excellencies of Christ is what they used to say, how incredible he is, how wonderful he is, his glory and his majesty, his power, his wisdom, when we think about his worth, when we think about worshiping him, it's leaven. We hide away. We may not feel it immediately, but don't worry. It's in there. It's in there, and it's going to have its effect. This is how the kingdom works. So we fight back. Paul said we fight the fight of faith. What you become is determined by what you behold. The most important thing about you is what you focus on. If you don't believe me, the scriptures say that beholding him, we are transformed into his image from one degree of glory to the next. What you focus on is the most important thing about you because what you focus on will determine what you think about, will determine what you love, will determine your emotions, will determine how you see the world. So, what are you thinking about? What are you focusing on? What are you beholding? Are you fighting back with kingdom leaven? Are you putting the words of Christ in your heart? Are you dwelling on them? Are you filling your mind with scripture and with things that are true? And good and beautiful. I think about the impact that this book, Shiloh, has had on me. And it's a fiction book, but it's good, it's true, it's beautiful, it's pointing me to, to truth. It's helping me to see the world through gospel lenses. I'm leavening my heart with that and seeing its effects. So... What if we become a people who are aware of all that weakens our faith? If we watch it, we see it far off. If we become aware of the stories we're listening to, the stories we're telling ourselves, the conversations we're having, the things we're reading, the stuff we're consuming. What if we become aware of how that impacts our faith and we cut out everything that we can that weakens our faith? And we fight back with kingdom leaven. I think we might just walk around on this earth like the people that we're supposed to be. Like kingdom citizens. And I think we might just see God do miracles in our midst. Let's pray. Father, Would you open up our eyes? Would you show us the things that you want to do in our lives? God, would you show us the things that we are going to again and again and again? What is the river meander in our life that we're drinking from? Oh, Lord, would you show us if we've fallen asleep, if we've grown numb, 
if we don't feel anymore like we ought to feel, if we've lost our awe of you, God, would you wake people up this morning? Wake up in the name of Jesus. Wake up in the name of Jesus. Father, would you show us the ways that we are looking at situations and challenges as mere humans, where we're looking at the facts and only the facts, where we're reasoning among ourselves, where we're not taking it to you and saying, okay, what do you want to do here, God? You are not limited by anything. Is anything too hard for you? God, would you increase our faith to see our situations in light of all that you have done in our lives and in light of all that you have done in the Scriptures? And God, would you show us the things we can cut out of our lives, the leaven that is spoiling our faith, that's keeping us from going from glory to glory? And would you help us to fight back with kingdom leaven, to behold Christ, his glory, and be transformed into his image. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.